Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Republic Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, August 23rd, 2014. This show is live every Saturday evening from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central Time. We have a great show lined up for you here tonight. We're going to be continuing our extended version of the Cosmic Abandonment presentation that I originally gave here in Philadelphia late last year in 2013. Cosmic Abandonment is a presentation that explores the connection between the interference theory of human origins, as I like to call it, and the current human condition, both mental, psychological, emotional, and spiritual condition that humanity currently exists in. I will be taking your calls in hour number three of tonight's show. The call-in number to join us, I'll give this out at the very beginning of the show here tonight for people who may want to get into the caller queue. The call-in number to join us here on What on Earth is Happening, 800-313-9443. Once again, the call-in number, 800 800- 313-9443. I have a couple of quick event announcements before we get started with the material for tonight's show. I will be giving an all-day seminar in Manchester, Connecticut called Demystifying the Occult. This will be taking place on Saturday, October 4th, 2014 from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m at the Manchester History Center at 175 Pine Street in Manchester, Connecticut, 06040. There is free parking available at the Manchester History Center for those of you who may be coming from out of town to this event. I'll read a brief description of this seminar. Mark Passio, the no-nonsense teacher of streetwise spirituality, will, will take his guests on a journey of exploration, examining the world of the occult and its symbols. 
What exactly is the occult? Why should you know about it? What kind of knowledge comprises the occult? Who possesses such knowledge and how do they use it? How is occultism different from mysticism? What can the secret language of symbolism communicate? How is symbolism being used in our everyday lives? That and so much more will be discussed at this seminar. Actually, in the second half of the seminar, I will be breaking down some of the esoteric symbolism in the major arcana of the tarot deck as a case study of occult symbolism. So that's coming up once again, Saturday, October 4th, 2014, all-day seminar, Demystifying the Occult, Manchester, Connecticut. Advanced tickets for this event, only a $25 donation. You can send a check or money order payable to Arthur Capozzi. The last name is C-A-P-O-Z-Z-I, Arthur Capozzi, at 500 Monroe Turnpike, Suite 142 in Monroe, Connecticut, 06468. At the door tickets for this seminar, only a $30 cash donation. I am going to announce here for the first time today that there will be a Free Your Mind 3 conference coming up in 2015. The new website went live a few days ago, went live I believe earlier this past week, and it looks really great. Uh, I am no longer the main organizer for this conference. I have stepped down from that capacity, and there is a new organizational team that is running this conference. I am basically staying on as simply an advisor, and I'm going to be one of the speakers for next year's event. But I did want to come out early, and since the new website went up, I wanted to alert people's attention to that. You could check that out at freeyourmindconference.com. The venue and date for 2015 is being worked on. It is not has not been publicly announced. I believe they have solidified plans for the for the event and the venue, but it is not publicly announced yet on the website, so I'm not going to announce that on the show until it's publicly announced uh, by the main organizers. So I wish... Um, JG Vibes and Bob Tuscan, who are two of the main organizers for next year's event, uh, all the best uh, and they're in their continuing efforts uh, to take the reins of this uh, great event and I'm sure they're going to be moving it into the future in a way that is going to make it bigger and better than ever. And I'm really looking forward to being one of the speakers at the uh, Free Your Mind conference in 2015 coming up uh, probably in the first half of next year. So with that having been said, I want to uh, let everyone know there is a donation button on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com website. If you feel that you've received value from the information that has been shared both on this radio show and on my website through my videos, uh, you could feel free to make a voluntary donation to help support my work so that I can continue it in the future. You could do that by clicking on the donate button on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com website. I want to direct everyone's attention up to the whatonearthishappening.com site to the radio show page. As always, while I'm doing the show live, there are usually images associated with the show for the, that particular night. 
and uh, you can click on the numerical links that are on the radio show page. If you're listening via podcast, you can click on uh, the links in the podcast section of the site, of course, and that will bring up a slideshow uh, through which you can follow the uh, images that I'm referring to when I uh, go through uh, the presentation for this evening. So, uh, the first uh, two images on the uh, page, on the radio show page, uh, images for tonight's show, the first uh, image, of course, was the poster for the Demystifying the Occult seminar for October 4th. The second image was um, essentially the home page of the Free Your Mind Conference website, of the new website. People can check that out at freeyourmindconference.com once again. Uh, last week, um, we left off talking about essentially that the old world order, quote unquote, was slavery. And the new world order is also slavery. And in that regard, really not much has changed in probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years in human history. And what we were getting ready to explore was what is the psychological dynamic that holds that slavery in place, that prevents people from breaking out of their self-imposed chains? What makes people believe that slavery is necessary? What makes people believe that slavery through government, which by it's just a euphemism for the same thing, you know, if there's authority vested in one person or if there's authority vested in thousands of people, it still amounts to slavery. It is what is tantamount to slavery over other people. What makes people believe that that is necessary? What makes people believe that that must continue, that that must go on indefinitely? We're going to talk about that today on What on Earth is Happening. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll pick it up from right there on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. What we're going to get into tonight in the extended cosmic abandonment presentation, which I've been going over for the past many weeks on this show and will for the next few weeks at least, we're going to talk about what really is the psychological, are the psychological underlying factors that are going on in the human mind that continue the slavery system that humanity is trapped within. And what really puts that there? What are the things that are deep inside the human psyche going on that makes people continue to feel that slavery is necessary? Whether they consciously are aware that that's what they are advocating or not, it doesn't make a difference if they're consciously aware of that. You know, people will advocate for government, for control, for slavery, for coercion, for all kinds of different reasons. And ultimately, it's all the same core motivating psychological factors deep down inside, often running as programs that are running in the subconscious mind that are driving that desire. And 
we ended up on slide number 110 on in the slides for this presentation last week, uh, which was essentially juxtaposing the old variant of slavery to the new variant of slavery and showing essentially how they're exactly the same thing. Only a different name, you know, and a different amount of people, the quote-unquote authority, the illusion of authority is just distributed among more people in the new slavery. That's all. So in, we're moving on to slide number 111 for tonight's broadcast and, and into the future slides. So what the question that I pose in slide number 111 is in light of our quote-unquote troubled human past, and that's probably uh, the understatement of the millennium, okay, uh, to say that we have a troubled human past is, uh, you know, absolutely really making light of it. It's, it's, it's an absolute brutally traumatized human past really is what it really is because trauma is what ultimately leads to the, conti the continuation of this condition you know, and the psychological um, factors that w make people want it to continue. So, I mean, our past is not just troubled. It's absolutely violently traumatic. I'm talking about humanity as a whole as a species. In light of our troubled human past and the origins of modern cultural institutions, which is what we spent the greater bulk of the last few shows going over, and just let me just pause there for a moment. I know I'm in the middle of this question, but I just want to say, I think that you could tell when you're really over a target that the quote-unquote powers that rule this world should not do not want you talking about when, you know, they start really trying to do something to detract from your message or to make people not be able to reach your information during that time. As I said, my website was under, uh, you know, denial of service attacks, etc. And it all happened really during the point when I was trying to talk about and communicate and get across the idea of where the modern cultural institutions of money, religion, and government came from the origins. See, and people want to say, why, why do you think it's so important to understand origins? We went over all these reasons why it's so important. If you don't know your, your past, you're going to make the same mistakes over and over again. You're not going to understand where you came from. And therefore, you don't understand the direction that you're even heading in. You have no frame of reference. People who are trying to control other people always want to cut them off from their origins. Cults want to cut people off from their family members. And wider level, worldwide cults want to cut people off from the understanding of the past. It's one of the main ways that they get into the human psyche and control people. Because we have no frame of reference to understand past events, past traumas, okay, past, you know, struggles that we had to go through and learn lessons from and overcome. They don't want people understanding any of those things. So this show has come under probably the greatest amount of flack because it's been over the, the target, okay? And that is the origins of institutions, the origins. Where did these things that have so much power, influence, and control in the world come from? What were their origins? They don't want you to even consider that. 
They don't want you to even ever have the notion in your mind to ask the question, where did that come from? How did that get started? What put that here on earth with us? That's something controllers don't want anybody asking ever. So it's just a very interesting to, to note that that's when probably the most resistance that has ever encountered myself or this radio program came about. I find it interesting anyway. In light of the troubled human past and the origins of the modern cultural institutions, do we now possess a psychological framework through which to better understand the behavior of certain groups of human beings? And I would argue, yes, we do. This cosmic abandonment extended presentation up to this point has allowed us to understand the events that have taken place in our world and what that's going to help us to further understand is how the mindset that is in place in the vast, vast amount of people of our society got that way. How did that get put in place? It didn't just come out of nowhere. What is the origin of people wanting to remain willfully ignorant? What's the origin of them not wanting to exercise personal free will and responsibility. You know, what is the origin of them wanting to follow other people's orders? What is the origin of them not wanting to think for themselves? Where do all of these psychological factors come from? They don't just magically pop up out of nowhere. And see, many people are under the false idea that somehow they do, that that's just human nature. And it is not human nature. This is a lie. This is one of the biggest lies, the biggest falsehoods that is fed to humanity. That we're just like this because that's our nature. We're just, that's our programming. And nature created us that way somehow. No, wrong, incorrect. Absolutely incorrect. That is a condition that has to be forged, that has to be influenced to become that way. It doesn't just happen. It isn't just our nature. See, this is one of the whole biggest problems of human thinking. That we're just bad from the get-go. We're just somehow it's we're just somehow trash or something like that. Out of our very essence. This is how some religionists think, the doctrine of original sin. It's how some Darwinists think, you know, that we're just bad genetics, we're just bad gene pool, you know? It's how eugenicists often think. And if it's the way that the general public thinks, they fall right into the same lines of thinking as the quote-unquote elites, the quote-unquote powers that shouldn't be. You know? And they don't think that they're falling into a trap by thinking that way. You have people that just think people are just the way they are. They're, they're born that way somehow and they can never actually change. You know? They don't understand what happened in the past to make our species this way. It was conditions that did this. It was factors in the environment. It was factors in things that took place, in events that played out in our world that we experienced, that we underwent, and that created tremendous trauma in the collective human psyche. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break, folks. Don't go anywhere. The time. Can it take the heat? 
back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. We're talking about the underlying psychological factors that humanity has been in for thousands of years that continue people desiring the state of slavery that they're living under subconsciously without even really understanding what it is they're continuing to bring about in their lives. Why don't people want to really know truth? I'm talking about in mass numbers. What holds people back from wanting to understand deep psychological factors? Why do they want to remain willfully ignorant? You know, people will look at that, oh, that's, that's the bottom line cause, right? Is just ignorance. Well, it's not just ignorance. There, there's something that makes someone want to remain ignorant. You know, that's not just something that people are like. There's a reason for that. So what I'm saying is we have to go past just looking at people don't want to know. They're willfully ignorant. And we have to ask the question, Why? Why are they willfully ignorant? So on this slide, uh, slide number 111, I introduced this concept of what I call the tree of evil, the tree of all evil. It's a, a psychological framework for looking at the current human condition and understand, understanding why are we in this condition. So if you apply this metaphor, try to understand this as a metaphor. A tree grows from its roots and then the trunk is firmly embedded you know, in the ground from the roots and then from the trunk you have the main branches coming out from it, then you have the smaller branches and twigs and then you have the leaves. And then finally that tree bears fruit. Particularly, you know, if it's a fruit-bearing tree, fruit comes from the tree. And then seeds sprout from that fruit. They drop to the ground and it start, the process starts all over again. It continues. It perpetuates itself. It's a cyclical process. So we have to look at the psychological factors that have continued slavery on this world in a metaphor like this. Which, you know, like I said, I call it the tree of evil because it's an easy way of explaining it. Okay? If you look at what most people will see is the bottom line, the, the very base bottom of this dynamic. They'll say it's people's willful ignorance. They don't want to know the truth. And I'm, I'm trying to explain that's not the bottom line. That's the very thing before you get to the fruit, which is evil, which is coercion, which is control, which is slavery. Okay? Willful ignorance has to come before the bearing of that bad fruit. Okay, of course, but it's not the bottom line reason. You go deeper than willful ignorance and you get down to like the, the branches, the smaller branches of the tree. And you realize that there's a reason people don't want to know. Again, that just doesn't happen. People aren't born into the world not wanting to know anything. Okay, something had to happen to make someone like that. So if you really get to the underlying factor regarding why people don't want to know, it's fear. Fear. 
is what's always driving ignorance. Again, if you just look at the natural law chart, the chart of natural law expressions that I put forward, the very force that you're working with to create ignorance, which is the beginning of the negative side of the natural law expressions, okay, is fear. Fear is the force that shuts consciousness down. It's the force that counteracts the force of love, which is openness to truth, which is the flowering of consciousness, which is wanting to accept truth into one's life. Okay? So fear is the force that counteracts that positive expression. And it sets all the negative forces, all the negative expressions at work into our lives. But you have to be in fear in order to do that. And what are people in fear of? People who don't want to know are in fear of something. Why wouldn't somebody want to know what's going on in the world? Well, with knowledge comes responsibility. When you're in a position of knowledge, you are empowered to act in the right way. When you're not in a position of knowledge, when you're in a position of ignorance, you don't have the empowerment to actually act within right. So these people want to falsely claim, I'm not saying it can actually be done in reality, it's always a false claim. Please be clear of that. When you're hearing what I'm saying here, when I say that people don't want personal responsibility, that's not something that actually can occur in nature. You're always personally responsible for your behaviors. Okay? People fear owning their personal responsibility. They are in fear of that ownership. They don't want it to be present. Of course, it can never not be present. It's not possible for that not to be present. It's, it's part of your nature. It's, part of, it's something that you're just birthed with, having the responsibility for your behaviors. But people think that they could somehow magically give that away because they're afraid that ultimately they're responsible for that which they do. So in that fear of personal responsibility and owning that, that birthright, they want to remain as ignorant as possible. To, to, it, it's almost like it's a play. It's, it's a game that they're playing. You know, It's trying to claim that something that you cannot actually do in nature. And I'm not telling you there aren't really ignorant people out there who don't really know anything that, about what's going on in the world, and that's because of their own doing. That's their own choosing. But that doesn't make them not responsible. As a matter of fact, that makes them all the more responsible for all the negative things that are going on because they remain willfully ignorant of, of it and therefore they don't seek to change any of it. It's all because of fear. Fear of owning one's personal responsibility to act in a moral capacity. And again, that personal responsibility can never really be abdicated. You can make the claim that you're doing that, but actually in reality, you cannot actually give your personal responsibility to judge the difference between right and wrong away to any other living being. That is yours. It is always yours. You cannot give it away. You cannot separate it from yourself. It is part of you. So is the fear of taking full ownership of one's personal responsibility to choose right action over wrong action, the bottom line psychological factor of why people are in the condition that they're in. I would claim that it is not because you have to ask yourself what factor puts that fear in place. 
Why would someone become fearful of being an actual psychological, spiritual adult? Why would they not want to be a psychological and spiritual adult? Why would they not want to grow up out of their infancy, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? There has to be a reason for that. See, the state of spiritual adulthood means you own your responsibility. You know that you're responsible for your behavior. You know you're responsible for the choices you make and the actions you subsequently take. So where does that fear come from? And psychologically, if we dig deeper into the root factors, we're getting closer to the root cause, the root cause. But we're not there yet. We're at what I would call the base of the tree, the trunk of the tree. The part that is somewhat above ground, you know, but then it goes under the ground and then the, the, the roots are there underneath the surface that you really, that's really the hardest part to see without doing some digging in the dirt, okay? The trunk of the tree, which is almost at the base level, is people ultimately hate themselves, Self-loathing is a gigantic part of the collective human condition. People hear me say that and they get very angry. They get very offended. No, no, it isn't so. How could you say that? Humanity hates itself, folks. We don't have developed self-love for ourselves. We hate ourselves deep down inside. People largely hate themselves. And there's a reason they hate themselves. This has a reason. Okay? See, it's all going to be psychological conditions until you get down to an event. Until you get down to an event that was the triggering cause. And we're going to get to that. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. Listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're talking about the underlying psychological framework that is the continuing factors in the current human condition. And we were talking about self loathing, how people are a self loathing species, how humanity is essentially a self loathing species. People really deep down inside don't like themselves. They don't have a personal relationship with themselves. They have not done the inner work upon themselves to understand why they behave the way that they behave. And this is because of the lack of self-respect that they have for themselves. You know, they have never really 
turned inwardly, turned their vision inwardly. That's what respect means, to look again from the Latin spectare, which means to look at. Re means again, to look at again, to look at the self again. That's what self-respect is. It means you are re-evaluating your inner motivations. You're reevaluating your behavior. You're reevaluating the underlying motivations that are deep inside of yourself that drive your behavior, or at least have driven your behavior up to that point. And then you're saying, have I been acting within the bounds of right? Is this how I should be behaving? What does this say about me? And the kind of person that I am? Do I have any right to continue to act this way? Do I have any right to continue to support the things I have supported? Just complicitly, tacitly, by not doing anything about it. Or by vocally advocating for it. If it's based in coercion or violence. You know? So many people are complicit in the slavery system just because of their erroneous beliefs and vocalizing them. You know, somehow justifying other people's bad behavior and somehow making an excuse for it and thinking that it could be turned into a right somehow. It's all due to self-loathing. People more, I, I keep telling people, The condition is the way that it is because more people want it that way than not. If more people didn't want it that way than not, it wouldn't be that way. It wouldn't make a difference how much money was offered to someone. It wouldn't make a difference how much power was offered to someone. It wouldn't make a difference how much someone was threatened. None of those factors would play into the equation. When you're standing truly in right, none of those things make a difference. And people want to make excuses over and over and over and over and over for other people's wrong behaviors and wrong thinking. It's all because they ultimately hate themselves. A people who didn't hate themselves couldn't continue their enslavement. Not possible, folks. Just think about that statement for a moment. Really think on it. Really let it sink in. Could a people that actually loved themselves continue to allow their own enslavement. Especially if it were in their power to end it. And don't tell me that it's not within our power to end this enslavement because it absolutely most certainly is. People are too ignorant, lazy, and cowardly to get off their rear ends and just do that. That's all it comes down to. And no, everybody wants to be an apologist for this species. And there's a reason they're like that. They have not developed self-love. They are in a state of self-loathing due to a lack of their own self-respect. Collectively on a mass scale. And that comes from a lack of self-respect individually. According to the law of correspondence, that which is above is like to that which is below. Well, a species that's self-loathing means that the individuals that comprise that species are self-loathing. Until we develop true self-respect, we're never going to get out of that condition of self-loathing, and therefore we're never going to own our personal responsibility to use our free will to choose 
between the objective difference between right and wrong behavior and choose willfully the right over the wrong. And until that happens, the external conditions can not change. Not only will they stay the same, it is an absolute, utter impossibility for them to change. So get over it. What we're really talking about here is what has to happen is people have to develop enough self-love to come out of their ignorance. That's what the great work is, folks, to work with another individual until they do that. The great work is no less than just that, to work with another individual, to help them to turn their sight inwardly, to look upon themselves again, to develop self-respect, to come out of the condition of self-loathing, and to want to own their personal responsibility and come into adulthood, spiritual adulthood, of knowing the difference between right and wrong behavior, dispelling willful ignorance, and willfully then using the willpower to choose the right over the wrong. And nobody said it was going to be easy, folks. I never said that this process would be easy. It's the hardest work there is to do. That's why so few people do it. That's why so few people want to do it. When you tell them what the work is and what they're actually attacking to change, it's not about we're going to shut down this bank or something like that, or we're going to go over here and bring some food over to these people, you know, or we're going to go over here and we're going to vote for a different political party. This is all, this is all utter cake compared to the deep work that really needs to be done in the human psychology, in the human heart. And then, most of all, in the guts, in, in, in the human will center, courage has to be developed, persistence has to be developed, willpower has to be developed, all driven by the heart, driven by care. People don't want to do that work. They look at that and they say, you're out of your mind. That's the, the most difficult thing there is to do, is change a human being from a, a person who is an undeveloped soul to a person who is spiritually developed. I want no part of that work. No part of it. That's what most people say. And then they turn around, they, their eyes go glassy, they turn around and they run in the other direction. And what I'm telling you is what our work is to do is to make those people face themselves. That's the great work of the alchemists of this world. And that is done by the power of the voice. If you haven't figured that out yet, you're probably still asleep. Just letting people be the way they are and not being an influence for them to change for the better. Through, first of all, your, not only your words, but your behavior first and foremost. Through your behavior in the world, setting the example, and then constantly reinforcing that with your words. Being a hypocrite isn't going to make much difference. You have to live it first, and then constantly speak it. Now, if we look at uh, one level deeper, people will say, well, isn't that the end of it? No, there's one, like I said, these are all psychological factors and conditions so far. There's an event 
that you have to get to. And see, this is why they don't want anybody looking at this presentation. This is why they don't want anybody looking at the origins of culture, cultural and human institutions. No. You know, that's letting the genie out of the bottle. We can't have that if we want to maintain slavery on this world. And, you know, you'll see people coming out continuously attacking this entire thesis. You can call it a theory if you want, but there's tons of evidence to back it up. I'd like to refer to it as a thesis myself, you know, because it ex it's a, an explanatory... I like to call it an explanatory synthesis, even more than, than a thesis. Because it's a coming together of all these different factors and showing how they interrelate with each other. Showing how they've created the current condition that we're in, how they, it perpetuates the current condition. An explanatory synthesis seeking to explain why we're at where we are at. There's one more level to go, folks, to get to the root of the tree of evil. And we'll start picking that up in the next section. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Stay with us. everyone we're into the second hour of tonight's what on earth is happening broadcast i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com we're continuing our extended cosmic abandonment presentation that we've been going through for the past many weeks here on the show and we're talking about the causal factors of evil and the events that led to those factors being embedded in the human psyche, nested deep down in the human subconscious, and attempting to explain why these factors continue to stay rooted there and drive the human condition of the desire for continued slavery on this planet. And yes, I said people desire it. They desire it more than just about anything else. Deep down inside of themselves psychologically. And if they didn't, it wouldn't and couldn't be that way. If they didn't want it that way, it could not continue to be that way. That is a law of the universe, folks. Get as upset about that as you want. Bang your fists against the table. Cry in your milk over it. Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make one bit of difference. You know, people get really upset when you say that, but it's true. That's what you have to understand about how the laws of attraction work. If humanity would not would not continue to desire their own slavery, their slavery could not continue. 
Because if they wanted to be out of slavery bad enough, they would understand the law that is in place in the universe that governs freedom or slavery. If they wanted to be free bad enough, they would turn their attention to those laws in nature. And they would come out of their ignorance and into the knowledge of how those laws operate. But they don't want the associated responsibility that goes along with that freedom. And therefore, they crave their chains like a baby craves its bottle. Okay? And like I said, it's all because ultimately, deep down inside, we're a species who is stuck in a childlike state of self-loathing. And I say childlike state because if we look at these conditions that we've already talked about in this show so far, willful ignorance, the fear of owning personal responsibility, self-loathing due to a lack of self-respect, these are all hallmarks of a particular kind of individual in this world. They're hallmarks of a child who has never psychologically really begun to grow up into adulthood. An undeveloped being that has not come into knowledge, that has not come into personal responsibility, that has not come into a true, truly developed mindset of a, a deep personal relationship with themselves and deep self-respect. They haven't worked on any of those things in themselves. That's the hallmark of a child. And moreover, it's the hallmark of a child who wants to remain a child, who doesn't want to come out of childhood and into adulthood. And that's exactly what humanity is. Humanity is being called out of its childhood and into cosmic adulthood. And most of humanity wants no part of it. Oh, you want me to say I'm responsible for myself, truly? Absolutely not. I'm a child. Somebody else is responsible for me. I'm not responsible for my own behavior. I'm not responsible for my own actions. How could you dare claim such a thing? I don't know a thing. I'm willfully ignorant. You know? Somebody else is responsible. I just follow other people's orders. This is just my job. This is just what I do. This is just my nature. It's not a choice. There's no responsibility associated with it. Yeah, okay. Sure. Keep telling yourself that, folks. Keep telling yourself that. And keep letting other people believe it. See, that's the thing. You may understand what the truth is, but you look at the other person who is ignorant, who's, who next to you who's as ignorant as a brick, and you say, that's not my responsibility to teach them. That's not my responsibility to say something to them. That's not my responsibility to rock the boat or to create uh, an uncomfortable condition here absolute bull. It absolutely 100% is your responsibility, if you know, to say something. And therein lies the problem. Those who know don't want to take actual real-world action to influence other people to change. They want to just say, oh, I know and I'm fine. No, you're not. You're bound by other people's ignorance. And until you get up off your lazy rear end and start to influence those people, you're going to be continuously bound and enslaved by their ignorance. This is what people in the my freedom movement don't understand. There is no such thing as my freedom. Until all are out, none are out. 
And that's what people also don't want to hear. They think you're going to magically be some island of freedom unto yourself. It doesn't work that way, folks. You may be out spiritually, you may be out mentally, but you're going to be in chains physically as long as others around you are ignorant. And until we raise the collective mass consciousness of humanity out of the state of collective self-loathing, we are not going to be able to change that condition. That's what the great work is to do. So when we look at these factors, if I could just impress this upon people, if you look at these psychological factors that have led to this condition, you are looking at psychological factors indicative of a child's mindset. Any, any psychologist would be able to look at that and tell you that. It's so clear, it's like you know, bright writing on the wall. It's like a bright light going off. For anybody who's done any modicum of study of human psychology. Now, the question is, what makes a child hate themselves? If humanity as a species is like a child who hates themselves and therefore has no true self-respect and doesn't want its responsibility to come into its adulthood, it doesn't want to know about itself. It doesn't want to know about its condition. It doesn't want to learn. It doesn't want to grow. It wants to stay where it's at. It wants somebody else to take care of it. It wants to get out the easy way. It wants to make justifications for its poor behavior. All the hallmarks of a frightened, self-loathing child. And that's exactly what humanity is on a mass scale. Our species is a frightened, self-loathing child. Well, then the question becomes, psychologically, what creates a frightened, self-loathing child? Really, only one thing creates a frightened, self-loathing child. That's bad parenting. You could say, oh, well, the condition's all around you, but if adults are making that condition all around for the child, it's all bad parenting. It's bad adults around them. The influence of adults around them is a negative influence because it's programmed. And ultimately, what we're witnessing through this psychological condition is a child that has actually been abandoned. That's what we're really looking at. When we look at the root causal psychological factor that lays under all of those other factors... It comes down to a child that has been left to be that way. It's been abandoned and therefore it has fallen into that state of self-loathing as a result. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break. Stay with us, everyone.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were talking about the root causal psychological factor that has ultimately led to all the other causal factors that has led to the human condition of slavery. And the root factor, ladies and gentlemen, is parental abandonment issues. And again, when I say parental abandonment issues, it does not have to mean physical abandonment. And I don't mean every child is abandoned. I'm saying humanity on a grand scale, on a cosmic scale, has been abandoned by our quote-unquote creators, has been abandoned by the ones who came here in the ancient human past, made us what we are, and then essentially decided we don't want any part of this anymore. We have our own issues to attend to. We came here to use them for what we needed them for, and now we're gone. And you could make the argument some of them stayed here among us, or the progeny of those beings stayed here among us, interbred with us, you know, eventually blended in with our gene pool, disappeared from physical sight, but some of their characteristics, DNA, you know, perhaps stayed and integrated and played an influence in human affairs for for millennia. But ultimately, what we were was a child that was born onto a set of parents that didn't want the associated responsibility of parenting. And I would not make that a blanket statement. I would say most of them did not, but some attempted to actually be a good quote-unquote parent to humanity. But ultimately, they failed at that job. And they left humanity in a self-loathing condition because when a, look at what happens when an undeveloped child's mind perceives that its parent does not want any part of it. What happens? Almost invariably, that child turns to a state of self-loathing. Their mindset turns to a state of self-loathing. Almost invariably. It's what drives so many adolescents angst and improper behavior from the kind of self-loathing that leads to addiction, you know, to just acting out in a completely unchanneled way with aggression or, you know, doing things that are completely unbalanced without any associated personal responsibility whatsoever, continuing to live in an ignorant way not putting any emphasis on self-improvement, not putting any emphasis on wanting to know or to grow, to learn, you know? And that's what so many people are like in society because of bad physical parenting, one-on-one, you know, at a lower level. I'm talking about now at a cosmic level, our whole species underwent abandonment like that when the beings that came here created us and then just left, left us here. In a state that, as we talked about in the story of the past, was barbaric, and essentially we were being ruled over by their progeny, the hybrid race that had they had interbred 
that they when, when they interbred with us that they had created what you might call the demigods or what pe- people referred to as the fallen ones the nephilim you know this story is told in so many allegories i mean we're going to get into that in a future show i'll do a whole show just on allegories that talk about this ancient story and it's just veiled a veiled allegory and it's just the retelling of this ancient story I just rewatched one. I saw it in the theaters originally, but I just rewatched it last night, and it was just, I feel, a brilliant retelling of this story. It was the movie Noah. If you just watch that movie with fresh eyes after understanding the story of cosmic abandonment, it'll make perfect sense to you. Because in that movie, the being that is referred to as the creator, quote unquote, is the is Enki, is the as he was known in the Sumerian tales and legends. That is the Enki being or the Enki faction of these beings, these extraterrestrials or extra dimensionals or whatever you want to refer to them as. And then the other group of watchers who helped, you know, drive humanity toward a more barbaric technological civilization and helped the the uh, the um descendants of Cain rule with an iron fist was the Enlil faction. You know that the that's what you're witnessing. The creator is Enki in that allegory. You know it's not the god of creation. That's what the, they want to try to tell you that it is. Even gold plays a role in it, and they, I believe they call it Zohar in the in the movie. You know, it's it's just unbelievable how thinly veiled some of these allegories even are, and people still can't see it. You know, it tells you right in the movie, these other beings came. They interfered with our development. The creator basically cast them down as a result. Well, what do you think that interference was? It was changing our genetic code. It was inbreeding with this species, even after they had modified the genetic code. They, they became the fallen ones at that point, the Nephilim, which comes from the Hebrew nafal, which means to fall. And then some of them wanted to basically make man, you know, have dominion over the earth, you know, through their technology and through their their habits and their worldview. And that was who they called the descendants of Cain. And then some of that that negative and evil faction of of beings helped the, that ruthless faction of beings helped those humans do that and taught them those ways. And then some of the quote-unquote creator's progeny, his group or his faction, Enki's faction, if you will, was the set of beings that helped the, the descendants of Seth, Noah, who was just Zeusudra in the Sumerian epic, you know? People don't even look at that. Like, there's it's the exact same story, only told in much more rich detail. You go to the Sumerian uh, and Akkadian mythos and you have the tale of Zeusudra who is the biblical Noah it's the same being it's the same story only it's 3000 years before that time or more maybe four but religionists won't explain that because their religion is the right one it doesn't have any origin it doesn't come from anywhere it's just the inspired word of god and that's the end of things you know so much easier to believe that 
than to actually look into what may have actually occurred here in the ancient past that a lot of these scriptures were trying to tell us about. And then also understand there's another aspect of it that is allegorical. It's a combination. It's a mixture. It's all of those things. It's not one-dimensional. It's unidimensional. But you can't tell that to a religiously-minded person because they have their belief, their faith, and that's it. Evidence be damned. Looking for the actual truth be damned. It's about what I believe. It has nothing to do with, with, with facts or knowledge. It's just my belief. I like how people say, I don't believe this story of cosmic abandonment. Well, who cares? I could care less what you believe. <laughs> good luck with that and good luck to you and enjoy the rest of your journey in life and whatever you're going to do. I, I, I could care less whether you believe it or not. It's either true or it's not. There's either, either evidence to support it or it's not. It's either what happened or it isn't. It doesn't require anybody's belief. It's called look into it for yourself before you make that judgment. We'll pick this up. Stay with us. You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run. Try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We're talking about cosmic abandonment, parental abandonment issues nested deep within the human psyche, collectively, leading to the condition of self-loathing, the fear of owning personal responsibility and coming into true adulthood as a species leading to willful ignorance and finally fruiting in following orders, coercing others, doing violence unto others, not respecting others' natural rights, and ultimately slavery. These are the roots of the human condition. Whether we want to admit it or not, if we're being honest with ourselves, And when I say abandonment, it doesn't have to be physical. Like I said, it could be psychological abandonment. It could be spiritual abandonment. It could be emotional abandonment. It's a parent not doing what is required for the further development of the child, which is their responsibility as that child's um, mentor, you know. And when... The events in our ancient past happened us, left us in this complete, deep, psychological condition of self-loathing. We essentially wanted to do everything that we could to project outward our need for someone to come and be our parent. That's why we developed the desire for all of these institutions. So-called protection. You know, so-called serving the people. Taking care of the people. We want somebody to do that for us. Some external entity. This magical entity we're going to create with all these abilities that none of us actually really has. All these rights that we don't really have. You know, we're going to imbue it with that this magical force, this magical thing, this body of other people, you know, 
that has special rights. They're going to be the all-knowing. They're going to be the all-powerful. They're going to be the ones that are going to be our parents. They're going to be the ones that are going to give to us what we need. They're going to show us the way, etc. and so forth. All because that parental figure was lacking and we could never really come out of our own infancy on our own through our own personal strength. Through our own interconnection to the true self. To the higher power in the universe. The true creator. Not the fake quote-unquote gods, so-called gods that claim to be our gods, our creators. I'm talking about the real creator of the universe. The real force of underlying intelligence and goodness in creation. No. We didn't want to try to make that connection and through our own willpower climb up out of that state of self-loathing. We want to project outward. We want to project outwardly and say somebody else has to take care of us. Even if we have to create that being for ourselves. And that's what man has done through religion, through the state, through money, through government, etc. Always trying to create its God, its parent, to take care of it, to take care of humanity for it, instead of us developing the will to care for ourselves. Anything but that. That might require knowledge. That might require effort. That might require kindness. That might require generosity. That might require willpower. Can't have any of those things. We want somebody else to do it for us. That's why we always want to crutch. We want to crutch through religion. We want to crutch through the state. It's a joke. It's a big laughing joke that's on us. And you know who's playing it on us? We are. Nobody else is doing it to us. We're doing it to ourselves. That's the real irony. That's the real laughing joke of the whole situation. So the question that I posed at the beginning of this show on slide 111, which we have not moved from, and that's fine. Like I said, this will take as long as it takes to get through. I have plenty of time. You know, We'll take as many shows as we have to to work our way through this material in an extended way and break it down. In light of our troubled past and the origins of all of our modern institutions, can we now form a psychological framework through which to better understand the behavior of certain groups of human beings? Generalizing now, we're going to look at some types of people, groups of human beings, general types. And we're going to ask the question, does this fit the psychological profile of an abandoned child that doesn't really want to grow up? of self-loathing people who don't want to own their own personal responsibility, of willful ignorance, or even a blind faith that they do know something, but really they're not following the truth. They're just following their institution that they propped up as mommy or daddy. And so I'm going to go, I'm, there's going to be in this section, and you know I won't finish this probably this week, we'll probably continue this next week, but there is going to be a lot of vitriol thrown about. Caustic, bitter speech. Vitriol. V-I-T-R-I-O-L. Vitriol. Look it up. It means caustic, bitter speech. Biting speech. Venomous speech. And some people don't want to hear this. Well, whatever. Then tune out. You know? They want to think with their emotions. I can't say anything vicious that isn't true, right? No. That's not possible. I can't 
launch an ad hominem attack on somebody else because it's true. Because these people don't deserve any real respect until they develop it for themselves. You can't give respect to somebody else, ultimately. You have to have it, develop it inside for yourself first before you can give it. And these people are not only can't give respect to another person, they themselves are really unworthy of respect themselves because they act the way that they act. Every one of these people is a child. Blanket statement. The people who fit into this psychological profile, the groups I'm going to talk about, are all undeveloped beings. They're all childlike beings that have never really spiritually grown up. And the reason for that is because they all externalize their power to another entity. And in many cases, it's a completely imagined entity. So let's start with the worshippers of scientism. The super, super left-brained individuals out there. What I would call the rigid skeptics, the rigidly skeptical. And in many cases, this is just a belief. I, I want to say something about pure skeptics, rigid skeptics. I, I have healthy skepticism. You, skepticism is very important, and I would never discourage it. I'm not talking about normal, healthy skepticism, asking questions, wanting to get answers, going to where the truth leads. That's real skepticism. That means you're not believing anything. I don't believe anything. People keep asking me, what's your belief? What's your beliefs? What's your beliefs? I don't have any beliefs. I don't have a religious belief system. I don't need one. The only system that I pursue is truth, which leads to knowledge, and then belief is not required. I said at the beginning of this podcast, there's only one belief that is ever required, the belief that the truth exists and you can know it, and you can come to know it. Because no creator would put an unsolvable puzzle before humanity and then torment them with it endlessly about what our purpose is, our reason for being, the nature of reality, how good and evil are at work in the world, how natural law works. It's all knowable. It's all knowable. If you don't accept that those things are knowable, you are a believer. You're a believer that the universe was essentially created to endlessly torture people. By never put, ha, be, having anything that can be known, and that's called solipsism. And that's what essentially rigid skeptics really are. They don't believe there's any such thing as truth, ultimately. When they're pressed, when you get down to it with these people, they are solipsists. They don't, the, the word truth is a dirty word to them, it's the devil to them. You know, the very word truth is the devil to them. Because they want to be in a position of continuous relativity with everything else. They want to see everything as shades of gray. And that means they're never actually truly responsible. That's what a solipsist wants. They want haziness and fuzziness in everything. They want everything to be able to be disproven, not to be true. Because they don't want the associated responsibility that comes with definitive knowledge. That's ultimately the out that they are seeking. We'll explore this more on the other side of the break, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. I'm going to be taking your calls next hour, so I'll give the call-in number once again to join us here on What on Earth is Happening. The call-in number is 800-313-9443. Once again, toll-free, 800-313-9443. To uh, wrap up in this last section for this hour, um, I, I was on slide number 112 talking about rigid skeptics. I'm talking about unhealthy skepticism, the belief that anything that falls outside of the non-mainstream idea of science is somehow not true, that there's only one source for truth, and that is mainstream scientific research. And anything that science, quote-unquote science, won't touch is not true, cannot be true. You know, I call this and many other researchers, like David Icke, of course, calls this scientism. It's a, I think it's a good word to coin for this because it is a belief system. It is not real science. A real scientist, a true scientist, goes wherever the truth leads and then publishes that result. So worshippers of at the altar of scientism don't go wherever the truth leads. They go wherever the money leads wherever the person who's promising to continue to fund them allows them to go. You know? I call them the paradigm protectors. You know, they're the gatekeepers of the established scientific paradigm that's still based in ancient, outmoded, and proven false Newtonian notions of how everything in nature works, including the human body and mind. You know? Who... who, absolutely left-brained imbeciles like Stephen Hawking, you know, think. And people actually, like, worship this guy and read his writings and think he's so wonderful. When he says free will is dead, philosophy is dead, people are basically automaton flesh robots. Or how about this guy on the image, 112, Phil Class, a total shill for the government, you know, who hounded UFO researchers for basically his entire life, you know. Didn't do any of the research himself, didn't look at any of the evidence, just rampant debunker. You know, debunkers fall into this category. They never actually look at the evidence or address the evidence. You know, they just want to they just want to attack someone else. And it came out later that this guy was on the CIA payroll for almost the entire time that he was putting debunking forward against the UFO community, the UFO research community. Now, that begs a question. Why would the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States have a vested interest in trying to detract attention away from the validity of the UFO phenomenon? By hiring shows like this, proven he was on the payroll of the CIA to do what he was doing. So then, that begs the question, why? Why would the CIA not want anybody researching the possibility of extraterrestrial uh, interaction with humanity? Oh, there's a very good and valid reason, because they know all about the extraterrestrial interaction with humanity already. 
And they want that covered up and locked down tight so nobody can really understand the truth of it because it has all to do with our origins as a people and the origins of our civilization and the origins of the institutions of slavery. And they don't want anybody to understand the underlying reasons that those institutions are in place. You know? I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable the things that people will do for money against their own species. Like this absolute piece of garbage who is now dead and in hell if there is such a place. But you know what? The hell that he lived in through his whole life was his own sick mind which is hell enough you know and moving to the next slide 113 I, I like to put a tagline if, you know I'm going to launch an ad hominem attack against these different groups of people who I think are perfect slaves they're perfect examples of what a good slave behaves like you know I'm going to give them all a little tagline, a little saying that goes along with them. So here's what Phil Class and all the other rigid skeptics, the left brain imbalance worshipers of scientism, their tagline with, with, with their, their you know, talk bubble next to their imbalanced head would say is, I'm skeptical about everything. Unless the government or government-funded scientists say it's true, then I'm a true believer. Because that's all there is today, folks. There's, you think real science is being done, you're absolutely joking and kidding yourself. And I'm not saying everything that comes out of the scientist uh, you know, paradigm or the whole field of science, the world of science, is to be completely and utterly distrusted. I'm not saying none of it is real, none of it is true. But I'm saying we're not really pursuing as a people real science anymore, as a culture, as a species. We are pursuing what I call government-funded science, which means whatever the government doesn't want discovered, it pulls the funding for. Whatever it doesn't want put into manifestation, it pulls the funding for. Then how are these scientists going to do the research? Were they going to pull it out of their own pocket? Are they going to hold fundraisers? No, all the science, quote-unquote, that's being done is all done with stolen tax dollars that is allotted for certain grant monies, you know, that the science beg the government on a yearly basis for. That's, that's half of what they do. Half of what they do isn't even the research. It's writing the grants. It's begging the government for the money to do the research that they want to do and telling them why it has, they feel it, it should be done and then what the result's going to be. They're telling them in advance what we're going to do this for what the result's going to be. Is that real science? You somehow know the result in advance, and then you're going to go and beg the person for the money to do this so that they get the results that they want out of it. And if they don't, they pull the funding. That's how science works today, folks. If you don't understand it, that's how it works. You're a naive, clueless person. That is how science works. I'd like to get a call from scientists. Scientists out there, call me. You tell me it doesn't work that way. And I'll tell you, you're full of crap. Okay? Because that's exactly how it works. Exactly how it works. No, and no one will call in to dispute that. You know? And if you do, you're, you're lying. You're absolutely lying. 
Because you want to believe you're not part of that. And you, you're somehow part of true science. You're joking with yourself. You're lying to yourself and you're playing the joke on you. Whether you understand that or not. So let's move on to another group. To, to just lay some vicious vitriol out to. Because these people deserve this. And you could call it as left-brained as you want. You could say whatever you want about it. The bottom line is, I'm going to say what other people won't say. Okay? Because they're loath to say it because of who sensibilities they might offend. I'm not here to be liked or to win a popularity contest. I'm here to tell the bitter truth. The next group of people on slide number depicted on slide number 114 who are cosmic children, okay? And again, just going back to rigid skeptics, who's daddy to them? You know, who's the parent? Well, the parent is the actual institution of science itself. You know, that tells me what's real. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to look at anything that exists outside the walls established by the scientific community. No, no, no. That tells me everything I need to know and it's all it's all known and safe in that bubble. And anything that conflicts with that, well, we just ignore it. We throw it out. We, we discount it right off the bat without looking into it. Is that the mark of an adult? Is that an adult mindset? No, it's a child's mindset who's scared of what they might find. They don't want to overturn the apple cart. You know, they don't want to rock the boat. You know, no, because then what happens? All the other children start to hurl assaults, verbal assaults and, and, and viciousness toward them. You know? The other children join in the chorus. They join in the chorus of attacking that person for being different. You know, they don't have an ounce of courage. These are all cowards. You're cowards. Rigid skeptics and, and people who are deep in the left brain mode of scientism, you're cowards. You don't have one drop of real courage within you at all, at all. Plenty of other groups to launch vitriolic attacks on next week, folks. So we'll continue that. Your call's on the other side. Welcome back, everyone. We're into the third hour of tonight's broadcast. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. As promised for the third hour, we're going to be taking your calls. No taboo topics ever here on What on Earth is Happening. You can call in and talk about anything you want to bring up. If you want to uh, ask any questions, that's fair game as well. If you want to talk about the cosmic abandonment presentation or any of the concepts brought up, of course, that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. All of that is fair game. So uh, let's go to the phone lines and let's hear from Robin in Missouri. Robin, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. Hey, brother. Good to hear from you. How you doing? So, um... 
Yeah, hey, good show as usual. So, Thank you. What, yeah, yeah, what I was looking forward to talking with you tonight was um, concerning weather modification and, you know, what is going on in this country at the moment. So I wanted to ask you, what what is the weather currently like there in Philadelphia? How, how has your summer been? It has been it unseasonably unnatural? cool. We've had a very yeah. mild, very non-humid uh, summer that is not really um, very typical of this region of the country, for sure. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of like a nice change as far as I'm concerned. I don't like the intense heat, but it's definitely out of the usual for for certain. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's not a big surprise to me at all. I'm living in northeastern Missouri, and I would describe the situation just like in Philadelphia. We are usually accustomed to really hot summers, really humid, but this year it's been a remarkably cool summer. Very humid, but still just very cool, and it's just been very unnatural. And this has most certainly been the trend in this country at the moment. So there's obviously something going on right now climatically that is very unnatural. Sure, they've and, been using different weather modification techniques, scalar, yeah. scalar uh, modification to uh, lower uh, slowly over time the jet stream air. And uh, they've been pushing that, I, I feel, artificially. Uh, they've been pushing that south for the last couple of decades. So uh, we may be seeing the effects of that, you know, in the real world now, uh, you know, with um, much colder winters and much milder summers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a topic that not a lot of people are talking about in regards to a lot of the conspiracies going on right now. But California, the, the drought that's going on in there right now is pretty darn catastrophic. And people are not paying attention to it, but California and the Southwest right now in the United States are going through such a bad drought right now, and all the rain, and by the way, we've been in a lot of rain in the past couple weeks here in northeastern Missouri, so it's like literally all the rain from the Southwest is being siphoned and put towards the central and eastern United States. So you have this huge dichotomy going on right now. Yeah, we've had a lot of rain here over the last week, a lot of very, very overcast and cloudy days as well. Yeah. You know, I think uh, part of this is uh, food, you know, affecting the food-growing centers of the United States, particularly California, is going to have a devastating impact on uh, food supplies and prices uh, in the the coming years. So I think that's part of the agenda to further weaken the United States and uh, you have to maintain uh, an open and skeptical mind regarding uh, their ability to actually uh, physically manipulate the weather at, at their at their command through covert technologies. And I, we know that these things exist. They're out there. The extent to which they they're, uh, have been using them remains to be seen, but uh, we very well could be seeing the effects of weather modification already. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with you. But there's one other part of the equation that I, I think we have to add to this as well. Okay. And, yeah, you're right in saying that California is one of the biggest crop producers in the United States. So if they get hit hard, the entire states get hit hard. Yep. So if people cannot grow enough food to, to sustain themselves in the United States, they are going to depend on the government in sure. the oncoming years, sure. which is a huge part of it. Absolutely. And also, part of it also is if you destroy California, that's one of the biggest 
honeybee population centers of the states too. So what they're trying to do is not only destroy the crops, but they're trying to destroy the honeybee population. Yeah, pollinators, which are re- which yeah. are ultimately required for yeah. the, the growing and strengthen, strengthening of crops and food supplies. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you know, and one, can, once pollinators go, you know, the 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 entire food chain, uh, human food chain, essentially follows shortly after. Yeah, and not a lot of people understand that just how critically important bees are. And just one more point, sure. and I'll let you move on. Um, I worked for the U.S. government last year for an entire year working with native bees. So I personally worked for the government funded projects working on saving the bees. I can hmm. personally verify that you are absolutely correct that these scientists and and the government who funds these scientists are totally fake. And, and they can totally pull away the funding for these projects whenever the heck they want to. And that is what they've been doing. And they don't care. And the money they yep. are putting forward saving the bees right now is nothing more than public image to let people know that, oh, okay, they do care. But they are only doing it just enough to do that public image, but they do not care. And I have to stress that. Absolutely. Robin, great points that you brought forward. Thanks so much for the call. And, you know, Robin is absolutely right. You think about it. If government money is funding science, can you rely on the accuracy of that kind of science being done? And the results that it's bringing forward and looking at that and saying that's absolutely the truth. That is exactly, you know, uh, 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 orderly results and and, uh, specific good results that we're getting from that process when ultimately the driving force is coming from government money, you know, from what they want to see done with that research. I would have to say that would be the best reason to be highly skeptical of those r- results that you're getting through that kind of quote-unquote science. So, once again, really great points there brought up by Rob, and thanks for the call. Let's uh, let's move forward, and let's hear from James in California. James, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Yeah, hi, Mark. Uh, what an honor to speak with you. You've, uh, I, I just want to say how much I appreciate your program, and it's really changed my life. Oh, and, thank you. Thanks for calling. Uh, I use what, you know, what I'm learning, I'm using with others. I mean, I'm, I'm bringing this message out. That's what it's all about. So I'm, I'm really grateful, and it's helped. It's really changed my life. So anyway, I'm just really, uh, it's a privilege to talk to you, and I, I'm going to meet you in October at the uh, the uh, event. Oh, great. You're coming yeah. out to Connecticut. Awesome. I, yeah, just for you, because, you know, you're, you're the man. <laughs> well, it'll be but, good to um, see you there. I have a... I have a question I've been wanting you to talk about, and I really would like for you to explain this because I think your explanation of some occult things are so clear. It's really been helpful, but I haven't heard you speak about um, HTB, um, you know, Blavatsky and her theory of evolution with the fallen angels. And it, for me, that's confusing because uh, I'm not quite, you know, sure, like, uh, what the message is here with all that. Yeah. And um, so that's one thing. Sure. Ahead, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. You can continue. Oh, and I just, on top of that question, just to talk about, like, how her writings have been used by the occult elite. Because to me, her writings are so significant. Yes. Um, I know, really so I should just, do like, a whole show on 
theosophy one day yeah. uh maybe we could uh maybe i could put that together at some point with bob from cincinnati i've done some kind of occult specials you might say with bob so it's something i might look into in the future um but um yeah, um, Blavatsky's work is actually really great and, uh, you know, uh, contributes so much to the overall understanding of the occult and how it's been used by these elitists. And her, her work in many cases was a warning uh, to try to warn people that there were sorcerers out there in the world that were using these, this occult knowledge to their benefit at everyone else's expense. I'll continue to explain that on the other side of this break, folks. Stay with us. There's nothing wrong There's a code of silence And it can't go on Welcome back everyone You're listening to What on Earth is Happening I'm your host Mark Passio My website whatonearthishappening.com Taking your calls in the third and final hour of the show for this evening We were talking to James in California And he was asking about Helena Petrovna Blavatsky's work and her view of the occult, and I was explaining that she, uh, her work really does serve as a warning in many ways of how this occult knowledge can be used to the detriment of humanity if people remain willfully ignorant and other people who have a lot of willpower but don't have a lot of compassion can use that knowledge as a weapon to gain a tactical advantage over those other people uh, who remain ignorant of it. Um, Blavatsky's work deals a lot with Vedic teachings, uh, ancient uh, Eastern teachings from the Indus Valley, and uh, she talks a lot about cycles, you know, uh, time cycles, and you know how uh, essentially uh, tendencies in nature kind of tend to repeat themselves in waves, and uh, she talks about um, you know the root races of humanity as she sees uh, the origins of human beings, and um, she. Uh, also, you know, her work was also really a very perverted and twisted in many ways uh, by later occultists, dark occultists, who really paved the way for the Third Reich in Nazi Germany. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, Blavatsky is often talked about as influencing that, and she absolutely did not. You know, that's definitely a very unidimensional and immature uh, view of her occult wor- teachings and work and uh, trying to paint her somehow as as the bad guy, you know, when she was warning about people like this, like Guido von, Litz, von List and uh, Lance Labenfels and, and you know, uh, uh, Sabatendorf and other dark occultists that came out of uh, pre, the pre-Nazi Germany era that took her work and basically twisted it into this, you know, racist ideology that had to do with uh, purely genetics and blood and didn't really have to do with the knowledge that she was talking about. So, um, 
you know, it, it's it's a very similar thing to how some of Crowley's work is viewed as all bad. You know, uh, it's the same thing from people who don't understand what the occult really is. They don't understand how it has more than one aspect to it. And they don't understand how a lot of the people that they perceive as just uh, unidimensional, somehow bad guys, really were, uh, you know, uh, explaining that there's more than one side to this and trying to make people see it in a more mature light. Uh, it takes really a, a lifetime of study and deep reading and, you know, comparative studies in order to understand this and order to also understand, hey, from some people's perspective also back then, you know, they had a limited view and weren't aware of some things that we're aware of now and vice versa. So you have to really read a lot of older occultist writings from this multi-dimensional point of view and understand that you have to take certain things that they talked about with a grain of salt because of the worldview back then and you also have to you know understand that uh they were coming at this from their own particular unique perspective and not every single thing that they were talking about will have been right uh but it also doesn't mean that one thing you hear that you disagree with and that paints them as the bad guy or the agent or the devil etc you know it takes a very mature perspective and understanding to, to uh, understand a lot of occult writings from in, in that kind of way. And that's why so many people don't really get the occult and don't really look into it in a deeper way because they want an easy answer. There, As it is with uh, all of these occult writings, there is no easy answer. You have to read deeply into it. You have to take what resonates with truth and natural law and move forward with that. And if other things don't really, um, you know, resonate with truth and, you know, leave them at the door and move on, you know, and most people can't do that. It's, it's like an all or nothing for them. If they disagree with one thing somebody says, then somehow they were, they were the devil. They were a de- demonic mind and a, and a bad influence. Uh, these people were looking for the truth from their own perspective as well. And <laughs> let me tell you something, many of them did way, way more than anybody is doing today with the amount of writing that they put down and preserve for future generations. You know, that's the one thing I keep saying to people. I know this is kind of a long-winded response, but I hope it's kind of the, the gist of this is getting through. The main thing is put the work out there yourself. You know, if there's something, I, I get emails all the time from people, you know, hey, Mark, cover this, talk about this. This is what I think is important. Well, I th- that's wonderful. You think it's important? Go and talk about it yourself, especially if you have knowledge on it. If you have knowledge on it, that's what you should be talking about. Make that your speciality. Make that your forte and go out there and put that out to people. I'm not here to take requests from people for what they want me to talk about. I'm here to talk about what I feel is important. But since uh, James brought this up, I think it is a very important topic, and I, it is something I would like to cover. Theosophy is something I haven't explored in depth as a specific uh, occult school of thought on its own. It's something I probably should look into doing in so, at some point in the near future, maybe after my uh, Connecticut seminar. So, James, really great question. I hope that uh, answered it for you, and let's uh, move on and hear from Raphael in Indiana. Raphael, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to back to the show. Oh, hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, just want to thank you for taking your time on this uh, current presentation and, and covering all encompassing aspects that, uh, you know, relate to cosmic abandonment. It's uh, pretty amazing and it's pretty uh, engulfing. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of kind of took a preview of what uh, the next slide or two is going to be, and uh, one of them is, uh, I think it's supporters of slavery. Yes. And um, 
yesterday on the way home from uh, the grocery store, I turned on the radio and I heard a snippet of um, something that's going on and the incident with Ferguson. Yes. And uh, it, it basically, there was actually uh, supporters um, on the side of the police officer. Yep. And it kind of, I thought of exactly what you talked about today or what Imagine you were going this. to talk about. Imagine somebody guns down a citizen in basically cold blood and there's people out supporting this. What wouldn't they support? I mean, you know, hey, not they supported the people supported Nazi Germany. They supported the Gestapo. They supported the SA, the Sturmabteilung. They supported the SS, the Schutzstaffel. Well, wouldn't they support? What 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 form of slavery wouldn't people support? Is my question. It's not what form would they support. It's what wouldn't they support? Like I said, they love it. They love it. They can't get enough of it. Because you know what? There is deep-seated racial motivation underneath a lot of this. I mean, you hear reports the KKK is coming out and supporting the police just because the person they shot was an African-American individual. You know, it's like, this is how sick people are. They don't understand. It's a state versus you issue. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with beliefs. It has nothing to do with anything except people who believe that they are your authority and God versus you. That's what this issue is about. And they can't see it. They're so blind because of all of their other divide and conquer strategies that have been played against them and those programs that are running in their mind and their ego identification and their ego attachment and their little petty role in life as my my race, my color, my religion, my creed, my, my you know uh, geographic region of the country, my nationality, etc. and so forth. And they can't understand as a result of all that div- dividing, they're absolutely being ruled they're, they're being completely enslaved and they can't see it. And they would even support their enslavers that are eventually going to be their murderers. You know? That's how naive well, these fools are. And, and I sent you a link. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, but over this past weekend I saw um, it was an article and it was a posting. I guess somebody posted a, basically it's a social media post that one of a St. Louis police officer um, commented on his Facebook. And basically he his quote was basically the protesters should have been put down like rabbit dogs the first night. And, uh, you know, if people don't think that's the general view of the Let them uh, try is all I have to say to that. And they'll find out what will happen. But we'll pick it up right from there, folks. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We're taking your calls in the final hour of the show. We were speaking in the last segment to Raphael in Indiana. Uh, Raphael, you were talking about slaves who love their own enslavement. Uh, you want to uh, wrap up with that topic? Yeah, I actually, I just uh, I found it actually kind of disturbing, actually comical at the same time where you know you have these supporters supporting their own enslavement. Uh, get a caller last week and mentioned the same thing it's like they they love their own chains and don't even know it yep it's exactly true and they keep supporting 
violence that is done to the people by the state because somehow they are uh, find um, displeasurable or displeasing some aspect of somebody else's life. You know, so therefore we're going to advocate for violence to be done unto them, you know, when, even if they're within their rights by the state. You know, you see this going on in so many different ways in society, you know, from one uh, racist group attacking somebody else who's been attacked by the state just because, you know, that person is a different race than them to you, you see things like this going on interpersonally in people's lives like, uh, you know, a... Uh, uh, a divorcing couple, you know, uh, the, 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 the father might report on something, you know, that he does, that he doesn't, because he's going through a divorce and he might report the, 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 the mother of the child to the state for some reason, because he wants to get custody, you know, petty things like this go on and people bring the state into their lives. They, they love it. They love the presence of mommy and daddy in their lives because they're too childish, too immature to resolve their differences for themselves in a way that is, uh, you know, operating within the bounds of natural law and right behavior. And therefore, they want mommy to come in and solve the, the, the conflict or daddy to come in and solve the conflict. And that's the state is all too happy to acquiesce to those demands and come in and take control because that's all it's ultimately about. And the, essentially, these people are, they're saying, master, I beg you to come and keep me on the plantation. That's all they're saying. They, and they love it. They love it because they're children who have never grown up, never taken responsibility for their own lives, and want to be kept under control. That's what they want. You know. So, I think you're right on point by, by seeing this dynamic, Raphael. The, the only question becomes is what are we individually going to do about this? It's we have to bring this message to these people's ears and help them to understand that bringing the state into any instance is not the right thing to do. It's actually the thing that all that could possibly do is lead to more enslavement and more destruction. You know, and it's going to all come to a head eventually. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm not looking forward to even seeing what's going to happen if this, when this cop goes to trial, what happens if he's let off scot-free, which is bound to happen. Because I'm telling you, that's what they want. They want to see some kind of massive up, uh, you know, uprising or civil unrest so that they can declare martial law. But at some point, what are people, what are people, are, their backs are going to be against the wall. What are we going to let, let happen? We're going to let cops start turning into the Gestapo with the right to just shoot people people at random because they feel like it because they were disobeyed that's what they're basically telling you that in the open don't disobey a cop or we will kill you that's what they're coming basically out in the open they're trying to externalize that and come forward and say we're going to use deadly force if we're disobeyed you know and that has nothing to do with the rule of law at all at all that has that's called tyranny and at some point, if it is start does start becoming like that, there's only one option, and that is physical resistance. You know, and people don't want to hear that. They they want to think there's never a time for that. There is a time for that, and that time's rapidly approaching. It's rapidly approaching, unfortunately. I don't want to see it come to that, but you know, at some point when the people's backs are up against the wall to a certain extent, there's not going to be any other recourse. You know? And I, I really loathe to see the day when it when that begins because when it begins, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to turn it off. So, you know, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Let's hope we can get it done through the mind, which is the way it really has to be done for it to be a true 
lasting, peaceful revolution, you know? It has to be done in the realm of psychology. It has to be done in the realm of the human mind and the human heart. When we get it done that way, then it'll be lasting and not one shot has to be fired, you know? So, Raphael, thank you so much for the call. All right, let's hear from David in Ontario. David, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Hi, everyone. Um, I I'm just don't know what exactly I'm... There's so many things I'd like to talk to you about, but basically, uh, I guess the one thing uh, you mentioned... Uh, you're right on point in the last point, but uh, you mentioned with regards to... Um, to, like, uh, how science restricts new ideas that minds, people's minds, goes here to your last point, like the minds of the scientists actually restrict fundamentally, fundamental change in their perceptions. Right. And uh, it's very difficult. I know that's because my father went through this. He was a geologist in Ontario, so he worked for the government, so he was a, he believed in the socialist state. Yet, uh, through the government, that I'm not saying that I advocate that anymore. I used to, I don't anymore. But uh, when you come up with a theory that contravenes people's perceptions, if it isn't for somebody who comes along and says, you know, if, if he was kind of lucky because his professor actually in 1975 said, well, Susie, you actually had, you got this right. So, and uh, he, he furthered that thesis and has gone on to how the show, uh, how this uh, idea works. But it's, that's not the, the norm. Like you were saying, it's not the sure. norm. It's not the way science is done, really. No, but, like, usually they rigidly cling on to the existing worldview or paradigm and refuse to let it go, regardless of what evidence is shown to the contrary, because they already have investment in the existing paradigm, even if exactly. it's false. They have physical investment they have mental investment they have investment as far as their prestige is concerned their social status is concerned money Absolutely. their lifestyle all of it all of it tenure you know it all pl- yeah, all yeah, those factors tenure. play in yeah i uh i read a book a while back and i hold you in in the same respect as i hold some of these authors i read a book by david ike called and the truth shall set you free and he said phenomenal book everybody should read this book definitely it led it is like one it's like what you've said about it this is a tapestry and you've explained a tapestry over these 160 something uh podcasts which i've listened to them all and i've come you know so anyways and david he 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 came to he basically contradicted something that i was like oh i learned this how can you contradict darwin you know and so i looked into bibliography because that's what you do right and yet, in there, hey, there's he's got this guy. He looked at Ian T. Taylor in the Minds of Men, Darwin and the New World Order. And I read his book. I had to go to the University of Toronto. He's a professor there. He wrote this book, and um, I went there to pick it up in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And I uh, read that, and and you really can't. You, I can't follow. I can't believe the way. I can understand how social Darwinism has come out from this idea, because I do not believe that Darwin, as the author of this book, Ian T. Taylor says that. He cannot support, Darwin would not support his own thesis based upon not having found in the, right. the geological, the archaeological evidence right. is not there to support it. Nor and, would I think Darwin have supported the twisting of his ideology into um, social Darwinism the way that it was done by the elites of his day, namely the Galton family and others. You know, you have to understand that they took his 
thesis and they ran with it in a way that was they were going to apply that to their genetics and their right to rule over the rest of humanity that was the reason they took that theory and tried to turn it into a body of law that everybody would believe in unquestioningly you know that that's, that was their primary motivation for doing that because they wanted a scientific basis for their quote unquote superiority and their quote unquote right to rule over the rest of humanity exactly I wanted to ask you this question in regards to a couple of words. Uh, my daughter is a, a university student, at, and she's taking literature, so <laughs> she's very intelligent, very eloquent in her her, her words. And, and and as you say, and as I understand now, that wordsmiths and and sorcery, it's all done with words. It's not like some ethereal thing. It's actually this is how it's done. Right. With words, and that she said on Friday, and we were talking. I talk about I talk about all things that I find interesting, and this is the subject I find interesting, and all, all subjects I find interesting. I can't say how much you've put things into perspective through your podcast for me. Uh, but she said that she looks at intelligence as a verb, and I agree with her. It should be looked at as a verb, because if you're not using it, you don't have it. That's you know, right. You don't, you really, what good like is freedom. knowledge if it's not put into effect and applied in the world for the right reasons? Exactly. Then what is it? It's just words. We have to convert it into action in order to be able to use it, to apply it in our lives. David, great call. Thank you so much for the call. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Last segment of the show for this evening. Let's go back to the phone lines and hear from Nathan in Arizona. Nathan, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark Passio. This is Nathan. Hey, how are you doing? Great. I've got a surprise for you tonight. Okay. This is the single most important thing I've learned in my entire life, and it's a game changer and I'm assuming that you don't know about this, because if you did, you would be talking about it. Okay, go ahead. What I'm talking about is a, is a spiritual discipline about controlling the male reproductive cycle. And females have a reproductive cycle. Everybody knows about this. It's the menstrual cycle. What nobody's talking about is the male reproductive cycle, which is the time between ejaculation. Now, what you want to do is increase that time. And there's uh, the mainstream science media and other people like to talk about how if, if you don't ejaculate every day, you'll have prostate cancer and other problems. I think that's misinformation. 
If you can master this discipline and it takes years of practice, you will have many benefits including courage, self-respect, self-confidence. You'll be a dominant alpha male. You'll be physically stronger. Your voice will be louder and lower. You don't need sex anymore and you're not obsessed with it all the time. Women will no longer have a power over you. You'll be smarter. You'll be more motivated. It'll be easier to spread the truth. You'll be more attractive to females. You'll be better at sex. You'll last longer. You'll be better at tantric sex, which is sex without ejaculation. You'll develop the balls to say no to weak people. Literally develop the balls to say no. You'll be an unstoppable force if you can master this. So what I'm talking about is stop masturbating. Stop having sex and ejaculating. And that's inevitable. It's going to happen if you're in a relationship. But what you need to do is delay, delay it. Wait a few weeks. And it's all about self-control. This is the ultimate way to develop self-control. You know, this porno, pornography is incompatible with this technique. So you have to throw that off and, or else it'll totally screw up your discipline. So, Mark, have you ever heard about this? I have actually heard the, this technique. I, I know that some of this comes from uh, older Gnostic teachings and some of it comes from Tantric teachings. And, um, you know, I can't speak to necessarily that this is going to be the thing that's going to be the most effective way to, you know, increase your willpower and, you know, um, uh, uh, your drive to actually learn the truth and then live the truth in your life. Uh, I'm not saying it would do harm to that. Um, but, uh, you, you seem to think it's the number one thing that somebody can practice. Uh, I mean, well, I'll tell you what, before I learned this, I was one of the self-haters that you're talking about earlier in the show. And this and helped was, you to come out of that that self-loathing mindset? Yeah, it was like a total 100%, 180-degree switch. It was like a turning point in my life once I figured this out. And if y'all don't believe me, do your own research. There's not a lot of information out there. One website is reddit.com slash r slash nofap. That's N-O-F-A-P. And these people, it's a community of people who have seen this truth, but they only see half the picture. They all, they all agree that masturbation is bad, but they seem to think that ejaculation is okay as long as you're having sex with an actual woman. That's, that's wrong. It's the ejaculation. You want to increase the amount of time between so ejaculations. Th this, com this comes out of the notion that the uh, male uh, seed carries creative energy with it. And therefore, to save that is to store the, that creative energy and that creative potential and power within the individual. You know, my take on it is kind of like it's more of a, a more physical thing, whereas, you know, I think that ultimately, deep down inside, it's all about the, the mental and spiritual material that we have to work with that's the real ultimate generative potential within us. Uh, again, I'm not debunking this or because I have okay. have only cursorily looked into this but I am going I do t intend to look into it a bit more because I've heard oh, it from a few different sources and um, you know I, I think uh, it's something that uh, you know uh, there could be benefit to yes there's a definite benefit I can tell you from experience and you need if you don't believe me you need to try it on your own that's the research that you need to do 
is it's very very tough discipline and especially it's harder for men who are non-single and who have access to sex but you know i have a girlfriend now and i've been working on this and i'm averaging about one week or two weeks are are you familiar at all with the teachings of the um uh, occultist or uh, spiritualist named samael anveor no i've i've only encountered knowledge about this in very small amounts and i i remember seeing a traditional writing about it but it's hard to dig up knowledge about this i I could point you in in uh, one direction from where i've originally heard about this years ago it was studying some of the writings and teachings of uh again the occultist samael anvior now again take all occultism with a grain of salt take it every researcher or writer with a grain of salt you have to take what you resonates with truth and bring that out and then leave the rest at the door of as i said earlier but uh he kind of uh puts forward and teaches a specific branch of older gnostic esoteric gnostic tradition and uh he's really gone deep into like um bringing forward a lot of the esoteric symbolism of the tarot out as well and he he talked about this you know the saving of seed and you know the the benefits of it and everything like that so that's uh, somebody i would say if you want to look into some esoteric research on this it's probably the only source in occultism i've come across i know again some gnostic sects practice this as well and uh it's uh seems to be coming on in uh some of the alternative health and and mental benefits community as well. So uh, it's something right. to definitely look into, and I want to thank you for bringing it to our attention. Okay, thanks a lot. You, go, you got I, it. I encourage everybody to try this out, especially if you have women problems, and if that's a thing that's keeping you from from doing the great work. If that's if that's a distraction, this will solve your problems. Very interesting. But thanks a lot, Martin. Nathan. Keep up the good work. I'm thank you. Show. You got it. You take good care. All right, uh, final caller of the evening. Let's hear from Ivan in Phoenix. Ivan, you could take us out. Welcome back to What on Earth is Happening. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I, I fell back into the regular slot here at the end to wrap it up. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's a tradition, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess so. So that means I got to speak quickly, and I had quite a bit to talk about real quick about the Ferguson stuff yes. in Missouri. What I've noticed right off the bat was the suppression of the sacred masculine. We see all the adults and even the children with their hands up, um, on arm, don't shoot. So right, o- right off the bat, getting that subconscious uh, mind going into submission, submission, hands up in the air. That's the thing that stood out for me right away. And then um, movies real quick. I know I mentioned to, to Barb, I had sent you guys a message or um, going to see Lucy in theaters. That's one I that I actually uh, did see that. I didn't go into the theater to see it. I, I downloaded it, and I thought it was great. The quality that I uh, got uh, of the video wasn't That's so awesome, bad. but uh, the movie was very good, and uh, I'll probably check it out when it comes out on Blu-ray and uh, you know watch it and you know get the full uh, effect of it then. But I thought the uh, the themes in it were very profound, definitely. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And then another one that came out last weekend was The Giver, 
Oh, I'm going to go see that in the theater. A lot of good, uh, that but, one I saw yeah. the the previews of, and it looked so good. I do intend to see that in theaters because um, that just looked like about it was the importance. It, it emphasized the importance of knowledge, how knowledge was only being kept by like one man, and how everybody else's mind had fallen into a complete sameness, and uh, you know how knowledge would be the key to taking them out of that and and liberating their minds. So uh, yeah. uh, I definitely think that there were some really powerful themes in that movie and I do intend to check that one out. I think that's a very positive allegory from just the previews that I've seen. Yes it is, yes it is. And it's funny that uh knowledge is what's mentioned also as a key in uh, Lucy also. Yes, absolutely. Ivan, thanks so much for taking us out this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have for this edition of What on Earth is Happening. Just remember there are only two mistakes that you could ever make on the path to truth. Not starting and not going all the way. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you right here next week. Don't ever, don't ever.